man shovels in to work Monday morning. His feet are dragging beneath him as he carries himself where he doesn't want to go. He's not sure what the day will bring, especially after what happened. And as he rounds the corner at his workplace and sees the water cooler, his fears are confirmed as the chatter that was going on abruptly stops. And as the people gathered there slowly peel apart, so does he. A high school student sits, tense, teeth clenched, as they stare at the bright screen in front of them. They can't believe what they're reading. Their most recent posts had amassed likes and shares and comments. And every time they got more notifications, they were hit with that little dose of dopamine that made them feel good. Until this comment showed up. How could they say that about me? How could they write this? The student wonders and wonders how they'll ever show their face again at school. We've all been there before in in some way, haven't we? We've all been in a situation when our reputation was put on the line and in the aftermath of it, we're sent kind of reeling, wondering how how would our reputation ever get repaired? How would we recover from all the, the things that have been said, the things that had happened? How do you respond when your reputation takes a hit? How do you respond? What do you do when you find yourself under uh, the attack of words and opinions of the world? Our reputations matter, and so we're right to want to wanna guard and keep them well, but how do we do that? How do we tend to these fragile, delicate things, our reputations? How do we find security in who we are, regardless of what is leveled against us. This is what God wants to show us today. This is what God wants to show us through King Hezekiah, his servant. And uh, we do well to learn from this King Hezekiah because here's a guy who had his reputation completely on the line in the greatest way. And depending on how this situation pans out, could be the difference between having it all and losing it all. How did Hezekiah respond? How did he endure and and keep his cool under pressure? And how can we mimic it in our own lives and draw the same strength? Well, let's take a look at our text today. In our text today, uh, we heard quite a bit there, uh, at least in that first paragraph, from uh, somebody called the Rabshakeh. All right, now, the Rabshakeh is not a name of a person. Uh, it's actually a title. This is an Assyrian word uh, that basically means chief of the armies. Right? So this is the field commander of Assyria. And he's come down to Jerusalem to persuade a surrender from the people. He wants the people down here in the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom known as Judah, to turn against their king and come and join 
Assyria's side. And so you heard him kind of casting shade, right, on Hezekiah, casting doubts on his leadership. He said, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he deceives you and misleads you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. And this is no empty threat. The Rabshakeh is the, the field commander of the nation of Assyria. And Assyria at this time is the global power. I mean, they're the ones wiping out nation after nation in the Middle East, toppling uh, different countries. And we heard him name some of them. Uh, one of the ones he named was Samaria. That's actually the northern kingdom of Israel. They were known as Samaria by this time, and so they have just been destroyed. Those northern ten tribes of Israel have been wiped out. They've been deported throughout Assyria's now-conquered land. Now they're knocking at the doorstep of Jerusalem. And he puts these charges against Hezekiah. And, you know, let's just be honest. These words, they had to have stung for King Hezekiah. They, they had to have hurt for him to hear. And Scripture actually shows this. Hezekiah, it says, as soon as he heard these words spoken about him, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth. That's what you did when you were grieving. Grieving the loss of something, right? This is what Job did when he lost his family. Or what Jacob did when he thought he had lost his son Joseph. They ripped their clothes and they put on sackcloth. And here Hezekiah is doing the same thing because he's lost something. He's lost his reputation. It's been damaged. It's hurt. And he's sitting with the pain and grieving it. Because when we get attacked by others, it hurts. You know that. You've been there at some point in your life. And I think sometimes we kind of, we, we have this defense mechanism, right, where we want to kind of act like it doesn't hurt, actually. You know, whatever you said, it didn't really phase me. It didn't, it didn't sink in. It didn't matter. And we kind of put on a tough face, right? But I think we do this because we don't want to acknowledge that it hurt. And there's a couple problems when we do this, right? <laughs> the first is that we usually couple that defense mechanism of pretending like things don't hurt, we usually couple that with uh, another defense mechanism, a retaliation, right? Maybe we keep a calm, cool face on this side of things, but inside, oh, it's not calm. <laughs> it's not cool. We're, we're hacking and slashing we're telling ourselves all the reasons why we don't need to believe what they're saying because they're the ones with the problem. We start ripping them down to, to undercut what they said so it doesn't have an effect on us. But we do that because what they said hurts, right? They said it hurt and there was damage done and now that damage has got to go some direction, right? This is a, a Newton's third law for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, but the same is true emotionally. When we take this hit, when we take this damage, it's got to go some direction, and so often we just dish it right back. Maybe up here, 
if we have some self-control. And if we start to lose that self-control, then maybe it actually comes out and we dish it out and we say what we wanted to say and the situation blows up and gets complicated, gets even worse. It's hard to sit and grieve what people say to us. But there's actually a second, more dangerous problem with acting like these things don't matter or, or, or don't actually hit us in some way. And that's, what if we actually need to hear the accusation? What if the sharp thing that someone is saying to us is actually something that's true? What if it's something that we need to hear, something in our life that we actually need to repent from, to change? Well, if we always block out the negative things that people say to us, then we'll ignore this too, right? Our attackers might actually be doing us a favor if they point out something that we need to change in ourselves that we haven't wanted to confront, but if we never sit with it, we'll never know. But if we sit with it and take it in, it might actually help us grow into a better version of ourselves. It might actually be that grit that Marcus was talking about. There's something that could actually polish us if we let it work its way through us. And that's what Hezekiah does. Hezekiah, he sits with the pain. Instead of responding immediately, instead of saying something in haste and blowing up this situation, he sits. He sits with it. He first responds in silence. And he actually instructs the people to do the same. Uh, the text says that when the people heard the Rabshakeh's taunts, they were t- uh, silent, and they answered him not a word. For the king's command was, do not answer him. It's wise words. Do not answer a fool in their mocking and taunting. Silence may be our greatest ally. But still something has to be said, Right? Because we still have this damage that's been done and Newton's law, right? It's, it's going to sit there. It's going to come out in some way. We have to do something. We have to redirect the damage. And that's what Hezekiah does. He shows us the direction to send the damage. Right after Hezekiah tore his clothes and put on the sackcloth, it says that he went into the house of the Lord. Hezekiah went into God's house and he sent the damage upward. He prayed. We didn't hear his prayer. We kind of skipped that part in the text. But we heard that God heard his prayer and responded to his prayer through the words of the prophet Isaiah. See, Hezekiah sent that damage upward because he knew where his identity was found. It wasn't found in the words that the Rabshakeh was saying. It didn't matter what the world thought about him. Only one voice mattered, truly mattered. And Hezekiah knew that voice. And even these taunts and these jeers that that the Rabshakeh is lofting Hezekiah's way, he's not just going to accept those without question, and you shouldn't either. You should filter it through the voice of your God. Filter it through his voice, because that's the voice that matters. It doesn't matter what they say. 
It matters what God says. Because it's His Word that's going to stand at the end of the day. And we know that He's going to set things straight. In the end, His truth will prevail. And so we don't need to spend our time huffing and puffing about whatever has happened and, and trying so hard to defend ourselves. Because in the end, it's His Word that will get the last say. It's His Word that matters. And this actually plays out in His response, God's response, to the commander. The Rabshakeh had put all his weight on what the world was saying and what, what, what they would say about Assyria. And in fact, uh, Assyria still has this kind of a reputation. Uh, you can go read, there's something called uh, Sennacherib's Prism, it's found in the British Museum, in the museum in Chicago, and one in Jerusalem, I believe. And Sennacherib, he kept uh, annals of all of the victories of Assyria, all the nations and the tribes that they conquered, and they mention Israel. They mention Judah. They mention this story. And he says, we had them like a bird in a cage. But they never got to the bird. He talks about conquering these other nations, but not Israel it didn't happen. But this is what the Rabshakeh does too. He points to all these victories, all these triumphs that they've had. That's where he finds his identity and as proof that he should be believed. His identity is not in God. He doesn't care about God's voice. In the short run, it seems like it doesn't matter. In the short run, it seems like he's on top, and, and at the time, he kind of is. But how does God reply to him? It says, have you not heard? I determined it long ago. I planned from days of old what I now bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruin. This was all of God's hand. But God goes further. He says to this field commander, but I know you're sitting down and you're coming out and you're going out. I know you're raging against me. His Rabshakeh was leveling charges and judgments against Hezekiah, but what he didn't understand is that he was going to be judged as well. That ultimately it's God's word that stands. His is the voice that matters. Whereas Hezekiah was placing his identity in God, was trusting in God's defense. He knew that if he would be judged, he would be judged by God, and he was putting his identity where it was secure. This field commander was trusting on his own strength, on his own victories, leveling these accusations, breathing out threats, and he would become judged by this same God. And sure enough, it happens. Assyria is judged, and it falls. Everything the Rabshakeh had placed his hopes in collapses, but, but Hezekiah, he walks chin up unscathed even from this encounter. They don't actually fall to Assyria, and they don't fall at all, not under Hezekiah, because he had found his identity where it wouldn't collapse. He had found it in God. And that's where we need to place our identities, our reputations. Put them in the hands of the one who can't be touched, and know that that doesn't mean you're not going to get burned, right? Hezekiah still got burned. It still hurt. 
He still tore his clothes and sat in sackcloth. But he knew that it didn't matter at the end of the day what anybody else said, but what God said. That's what Hezekiah did. He heard the voice of the Rabshakeh, and it hurt, but then he went to another voice, a voice infinitely more powerful and important. And did you hear what God said about the taunts and the jeers? He said they weren't actually aimed at Hezekiah. He said that they were aimed at himself. Against who, Rabshakeh, have you raised your voice? Whom have you mocked and reviled? Not Hezekiah, me, the Holy One of Israel. I have covered Hezekiah. When you attack him, you attack me, and you don't want to mess with me. God stands in for Hezekiah. This is the word that comes from Isaiah. God says, I have your back and your front. These shots that are fired against you, I'm going to take the bullet for you. You don't have to worry about what they say. He says, I'm going to take them. The words whispered about you in secret are the ones said straight to your face. I'm going to take them for you. And maybe you say, well, that's nice for Hezekiah. Nice to have God come and speak directly to Hezekiah, but wait a minute, you know something better than Hezekiah. And God didn't speak directly to Hezekiah. He spoke through this middleman. He spoke through Isaiah, the prophet. But you know something better. You know something that Hezekiah didn't even know. You know the one whom Isaiah would also prophesy about. Chapter 53, where Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed For our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought our peace. By his wounds we are healed. Hezekiah got just a shadow. But you know the sun in all of his brilliance. Hezekiah got a word from a prophet Isaiah, but as Hebrews says, we don't hear from the prophets anymore, we speak to God. His son, directly. We have access to speak to this very son who stepped in front of the line and took the bullets for us. I mean, think about Jesus. He is the one who who takes the worst hit of all. The accusations, the reputation slam. Jesus goes up on a cross and is hung as a criminal. God's own son. Perfect. Perfect. Holy. He hung there so that he could bear the weight of all the false testimonies that have ever been leveled against you. He hung there so that he could carry the weight of even those true ones that we didn't want to hear. But you see, they're not our identity any longer because he took them Jesus took them, even the things we have screwed up. Jesus took them on himself. Against whom have the voices been raised? Against the Holy One of Israel. So that you wouldn't be defined by them. So that you could have your reputation back. 
so that we wouldn't be known for our mistakes and our messy reputations, but, but so that we might be known as holy and spotless and blameless by the only voice that truly matters. How do we get this confidence like Hezekiah? How do we mimic him and get his strength? Do what he did. When you're attacked, when your reputation is hurt, when you, when you feel that sting, don't just sit in it, but don't retaliate either. Take that damage and send it up. Send it up to the one who has taken it for you, to the one who says he has your back, who says you are not defined by what you've done because I have already paid for that, to the one who says that you're a new creation. And then walk, chin up, knowing that there will come a day when God will set all things right. And there will come a day when the only voice that really matters will be the voice of Jesus saying to you, come into my kingdom, for I've made you my own. It's in his name that we look and that we listen. Amen.